0: The first two readings today uh, speak of Abraham. Of course, as we, as we know, his name was initially Abram, and God changed his name to Abraham and made a covenant with him. And the covenant would, was that God would make of his descendants a great nation, would multiply his descendants, and those descendants would have faith in God. They would be his people and he would be their God. This was the covenant with Abraham. However, and, and this is what God promised Abraham, you're gonna have all these descendants, and then nothing happened, and nothing happened, and nothing happened, and on and on it went until uh, you know, they, they believed that both Abraham and, and Sarah were well beyond the, the age they could conceive. Abraham waited and waited and waited. And this is one of the primary reasons that Abraham is equated with great faith. Because he remained faithful to God, faithful to the covenant, even though God did not bring about or even start the promise of descendants until Abraham was very, very old. I mean, you think about it and you think, well, I mean, I'm sure Abraham and Sarah knew how the whole thing worked, right? But God wasn't helping, and God wasn't doing his part. So how's this going to work? How's this going to work? I mean, they didn't understand, as no one really did, they didn't really understand the science behind why they weren't able to conceive, to whatever degree that was operative. But they knew that God had promised them heirs, had promised him at least one heir, because it's pretty hard to get the great nation going until you have an heir. And God did not begin to fulfill his promise to Abraham. For years and years and years, he had to wait. Meantime, Abraham is supposed to be faithful to his part of the covenant. And it didn't seem as though God was being faithful to his. He kept telling him to wait. I believe it was St. Teresa who said to God one day when she was miffed at him, if this is how you treat those who love you, if this is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few. So She was mad at him. If this is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few. Why is it that oftentimes it's the people who are trying to be faithful who seem to not be treated as well by God? You might think, oh, I thought it was just me. No, no, it's, that. well, it is just you. No, it's not, it's not. You know, it happens over and over and over again. Now, there can be all kinds of reasons for that, but the essential thing to remember is that God is always trying to grow our faith, increase our faith. So let's do a little catechesis on our theological virtue of faith. Theological virtue, theos, theological, because the virtue starts as a gift from God and finds its end or goal in God. So the gift of faith, given at baptism, the gift of faith is, is of course, given to the soul by God, infused, but it's supposed to lead back to God. So there's sort of two parts with this, this virtue. It's it's gift and act. It's what God does, and then it's what we do. You see it play out in Abraham. God gives him that initial gift, and then he expects Abraham to be faithful and to act. So faith is not a sentiment. It's not really an emotion at all. There can be emotions tied to its practice just cuz we're human. There's always emotions tied to it, but faith is not in itself sort of a an emotion. It's gift and action. Something received, right? Gift and then it's something put into practice. So it's always interesting to me when people will say things like, "Well, I lost my faith." You did not. You stopped practicing your faith. You chose to not be faithful. Yeah, but Father, I mean, look at my life. Look at all the things that happened in my life. God wasn't good to me. Maybe he was, and you didn't see it. There's a good chance for all of us that God was better to us than we deserved. I mean, that's the harsh truth. If We really say, well, what what do we deserve from God? We don't deserve much. And yet he gives us so many great gifts anyway. Well, if you just knew my life, you'd understand why I fell away. You didn't fall away as though it was against your will. You left. You chose to not practice your faith. It didn't leave you miraculously. It didn't just fall away. That's not how it works. Because the virtue of faith, just like a vice, either it's never really static. It, it's either growing or it's decreasing based on our activity, our action, based on our resolution, based upon getting up every day and dealing with what we need to deal with, all the hard stuff, and still choosing to believe. And here's the other thing about it is that faith, just like any virtue, cannot grow unless there is a opposition. Okay, so in other words, if you want to become a truthful person, if you're never tempted to lie, or if you're never put into a position where a lie might be convenient, you really can't become virtuous in the matters of truth because you're never faced with the contrary. There always has to be this ability to say no to the good and yes to the evil. To be, become an honest person, one has to know and have the opportunity not to be. And there are plenty of opportunities not to be faithful. So faith is a gift from God that he is real, he is true, and it's also an assent, a yes, to everything that has been revealed about him and by him. And principally, we we know that there are two pillars of divine revelation, sacred scripture and sacred tradition. And so the church helps to mediate that which God has declared. It's not the church when we talk about issues of faith, matters of faith. The church doesn't create them. The faith hands them on, or the church hands them on. You might say, well, Father, it's difficult to be faithful. I mean, my relationship with the church, the church is just a, an assistance to faith. We should never have faith in the church. Faith in the church. I mean, I, I understand the colloquialism of saying that, but technically speaking, one does not have faith in the church. One does not have faith in their priest or their bishop or their pope. Because faith's end or goal is God alone. One should only have faith in God. And it doesn't mean, you know, we don't say other things like, well, I wish the church were better than it is, me too. I wish my priest were better than he is, me too. Um, I mean, it's true, you know. None of us are ever going to be totally satisfied with, with any of these things. But the church is there to assist us in faith, principally through the sacraments, through the sanctification that we find, the grace we find through the sacraments, which, which help us. And the priest is just here to help you as well, to the best that he can. If you, ha- if you end up liking your priest, that's great. If you don't, eh, just give it time. You'll get another one. And if he's helpful, great. If he's not, give him him another chance. Maybe next week it'll be better. Maybe not. But there's another church down the road, I suppose, you know. Maybe that guy's more helpful. Um, But one wouldn't have faith or ought not have faith in the priest, right? Because one should only have faith in Jesus Christ. So all of these other things help, hopefully, to buoy our faith, to, to strengthen our faith, to help our faith grow. There's, there's so many parents I've talked to, gosh, over the years. You know, Father, my kids, that my adult kids, they're not going to church. The, the, the grandkids aren't baptized. They're not married in the church, etc. Will you talk to them? No. I mean, it didn't do any good when you talked to them. No, that's not the problem. Well, I sent them to Catholic school. I sent them to catechesis. You sent them to other people to grow in faith. It's one thing to send them to other people to help them to grow in faith, but the greatest example of faith is always the parents. And the greatest poor, if you will, or the poorest example of faith can also be the parents. There's very little that we can do with your kids if you're not practicing your faith at home. It's, I would say it's... it's Pretty much worthless. To have I remember when I first came to St. Thomas More, it was after about three months, and I, I was walking through uh, some catechism classes, and I walked in the first one. And do you know who I am? No. It's after about three months. You don't know who I am? No. I was like, geez. Second one. <laughs> so I went into three of them. No one knew who I was. I pulled out my collar. I said, what about this? Do you know what this is? No. Finally, the fourth one, there were a couple of kids. I was like, thank goodness, someone's going to church. But it elucidated for me a serious problem in our catechesis. When you have that huge of a percentage of people who don't even know who the priest is or what a priest is. And it's not a problem with our program. It's a problem with the home. It's a problem with parents. Parents need to make sure their home is a home of faith. It's not hard. Say your prayers before your meals. Share your faith with your kids. Talk about Jesus as though he's right there. We're going through a difficult time right now, you know, Johnny. We need to pray. We need to rely on Jesus Christ. We need to rely on the Lord. We need to ask the Blessed Mother for her intercession. Talk as though it's actually real. I mean, if we believe it's real, we should talk as though it is, and we should share it. You know, fathers, share with your kids why you believe. Why is that hard? Just to say, I'm not trying to admonish you. Well, I guess I am a little bit. But it, it, it needn't be that difficult. Dad, why do you believe? Why should I believe? Why are you sending me to catechesis if you don't ever talk about Jesus? Why does he matter to you? You don't even have to say a lot. You can just say, you know what? I've always been Catholic and I love the Lord. I just love the Lord. Can you tell, tell me more about him? Well, you might be able to tell him a few stories. I'm telling you that your ability to do that in even just a couple of instances is worth more than an entire year of catechetical programming. Because fathers and mothers no one has more influence over your kids than you do. No one. And so I want to encourage you in that, right? I mean, obviously, Abraham and Sarah, and we remember the Holy Family, Joseph and Mary. There's a reason why God the Father desired for his son to be born into a family and for it to happen in this fashion, salvation. Because he wanted to also model for us what was important, what is important. You don't have to be perfect, parents. You do not have to be perfect. You don't have to always be right. You don't have to always know the answers. You just have to share your heart. Why does God matter? Why does he matter to you? And why should he matter to your kids? You need to be able to answer that question. And if you can't yet answer that question, get the wheels turning because you probably will not take long until you have an answer. Our faith will never grow without adversity, without suffering, and without sacrifice. We learn that from all of these scriptural heroes, most especially Abraham. And as hard as your faith might be, as hard hard as it is to maybe believe in Jesus Christ the only way for it to grow is when we get up in the morning and we put one foot after the other and we say today i believe i will believe i choose to believe that god is real and what he revealed is true i choose it i will it and through that persistence our faith is going to grow that's how it works There's really no easy way to grow strong in our faith. It takes resolution and commitment. And this is one of the reasons why uh, just two things we'll share uh, about this in the liturgy. When you come forward to receive Holy Communion, and the the minister says, the body of Christ, and you say, Amen, that is an act of faith, right? That's an act of saying, yes. That's an act of saying, I believe. That's an act of saying, I am in communion with the Holy Church. It's an act of faith. And as we're going to do here in just a couple of seconds, you know, why do we do the profession of faith every single Sunday Mass? We could shave at least two minutes off the Mass and get to the football pregame so much sooner. (laughs) Yes, I've thought about that but it's mandatory with with the exception of some other ritual things it's mandatory because it's important for us to make these statements of faith i do believe i choose to believe it doesn't just miraculously happen i choose it i will it and today i will be a faithful catholic we can worry about today tomorrow will take care of itself please stand